Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james netsuite.com slash james this isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host this is the james altucher show welcome to a new episode of the james altucher show and today I've been really interested in the conversation happening about student loan forgiveness. And of course, like everything else, it's gotten political. And because it gets, here's the saying, it's just a mantra on this show. Politics make people stupid. So the fact that this issue has become political makes people polarized so much in either one direction or the other that they're forgetting the gray area in between. Every issue on the planet has a gray area in between. There's nuances, there's subtleties. That's why big issues and decisions like this are difficult because there's no black and white answer. But when things are political and everybody's you know, running with the crowd, you either believe one crowd or the other crowd, and then you don't change your beliefs ever, and you don't think in a nuanced way ever. So I want to dissect this issue a little bit, and as the cliche goes, talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how we could take advantage of it, how how we can benefit maybe from this, regardless of whether it's fair or unfair. And I don't know, I just want to kind of riff on this a little bit with my co-hosts, 
Robin Altucher, aka my wife, and <laughs> Jay Yao, producer extraordinaire. Jay, you just gave a talk on audio engineering at the best conference on the planet for podcasts, yes. podcast movement. Yes. And yep. did you have a good time? I have a great time. The funny thing is, I was so nervous after my talk. I I had stomach cramp right away. Like right when I say thanks, I give a bow. I always bow because I'm Asian, so we always bow. <laughs> I give a bow. I do really bow? give a bow. Well, how do you give a bow? Do you like put your arm over your stomach and lean over it, or do you just like have your hands by yeah. your sides, your arms by your side, and uh, you bow? <laughs> I think, I think I think I I think I learned this from my from a mentor when I was younger. So like, oh, when I show respect to people, uh, I always like put like it's almost like a praying hand, but bow and bow a little bit. It's like it's like what's who is the president uh, in in Germany? Uh, what's her Angela name? Merkel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know how she always have her hands stick together, her I, fingers stick I, together. Like I a, never noticed like that. A, oh yeah, it's, they call it the Illuminati hand. Because it looks like an Illuminati uh, symbol. Yeah. I do that all the time. And then she, yeah. So it's kind of like that, but straight up and bow a little bit. I, I do that like even before I start the, 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 the speaks, I do that too. And then I have cram right away. Like, no, it's like full on cram. And then it's not like you have to go to the bathroom type of cram. It's like <laughs> the cram that you can't do anything about it. So I literally just lean in front Aww. and talking to people. I think, I think public speaking is like the worst thing for oh, stomach yeah. conditions. <laughs> Because it is no matter like I I don't really get nervous anymore on a talk, but I I did for many years, and I would be like terrified before giving a talk, like terrified. One time I was speaking at a conference, I was so nervous. I left the conference. I had five minutes to go before my talk, and I was convinced I was just going to leave the conference and never return any phone calls from anyone again from that <laughs> conference. Like I was just going to leave Wait. and not show up. But of course, I did show up. But I was so scared, oh. I couldn't believe it. And of course, when okay. I did comedy for many years, I I never stopped being scared before a comedic performance. Because in a weird way, that's even scarier in the sense that I have no idea who the audience is. Like if I'm speaking at a, let's say, a, a, a stock or a finance conference, I know what the audience wants and they're choosing to come to my talk. So I know that they're inclined to like the talk. But with comedy, you might walk up there and you have no idea who you're talking to, and they're probably going to start off hating you for some reason. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I felt like uh, there's some people who just take pride in uh, you know shitting on comedian. You know, like they it's their purpose to like hustle you guys. Oh my god! I mean, I for, <laughs> fortunately was not heckled that much in the years I was doing this, but there was one time it was so bad, like everybody in the audience hated me. That was I got I basically got drove out of town like they they did not like me <laughs> it was it was the 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 crack capital of the world and i won't say what city oh, yeah. it was because i don't want to insult that city but maybe hartford connecticut should be insulted a little bit i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah i remember you telling me that story oh my god and i didn't even know anyway that's another story but also right. i want to mention that robin pretty soon is going to be starting her own podcast moms yes. and stocks where she talks, she's Robin is the best investor I know, and she's going to talk about <laughs> stocks. I'm going to be her co-host, where I will mansplain all of the stocks that she chooses, <laughs> and I'll mean. Imagine that actually and I'll happened. mansplain investing to her, even though she's probably a better investor than me. And uh, she's going to also talk about being a mom while being a great investor. And then you have to mansplain how to be a mom too. I mansplain good parenting to her, but not being a mom, but. <laughs> 
but you're going to pick stocks, right? On this, how many stocks per episode are you going to pick? I have no idea, but I like it. I like this idea because it allows me to bring in my geopolitical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. We just want to know how to it's make money. The most I'm, fun I'm, for me. I'm starting the mansplaining right away. I'm even talking over you right now. But it 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 does affect stocks. What happens in the rest of the world? I thought I feel people. Right. You know, we're too myopic here. You know, we're just all too much into ourselves here in the states, and it and it really does help mm. to understand a lot of, you know, political issues that are happening around the world. Oh yeah, and it's all connected. So it is all yeah. connected. Yes. And so also, like, fun. would they? Will you? Will you be recommending any meme stocks or just like stock stocks? No, like I, I, stocks? I don't really do that. She's a long-term investor. So you're, you're not really a trader. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're like I would say your average holding period is between three months and a year. Would you say that's right? Or, or three oh, months wow. and two years? Uh, you know, it really just depends on what's happening. You know, uh, if, if a war breaks out somewhere, I'm going to trade. But uh, okay, we'll talk more about this on moms and, and moms and stocks. Mom and stocks. Mom, you know, moms and stocks, which by the way, we looked this up before. When you have a, a, a repeating consonant, like, you know, literature and letters, that's consonants. And apparently repeating vowels like moms and stocks as a repeating O, uh, that's called assonance. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a Be Beavis and yes. Butthead kind of word. Assonance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. But, but um, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to. We're gonna, yes, we're, I'm excited. Okay, how long does it take to um, officially get the podcast like hosted everywhere? We're going to do our first episode on Friday, but we're not going to release on Friday. We, we need to get it all set up. We can get it done within a week or two, you know, because I can do the cover art very easily. We can, I can just pick a, uh, a intro music very easily. And I will make sure to put a lot of money sound, catching sound in the intro, intro music. Okay. <laughs> and then a lot of baby crying because, you know, mom and stocks. <laughs> all right. All right. Sound, we'll sounds like you're being that. really creative here. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. So, well. so wait, I just read something here uh, and then we're going to get to student loans, but crypto firm fronted by Matt Damon accidentally transferred ten and a half million dollars to a woman instead of a hundred dollar refund. And yep. she's not giving it back. Like there, uh, she's already it's, it's bought a hundred Sorry. It's a hundred dollars refund is $67 refund, I think. Oh really? Well, okay. So uh, yeah. even smaller. She was, was that wrong? And <laughs> yeah. So she's she's already spent um, almost a million and a half dollars on buying a four bedroom property. Like this what? money is gone. So this is why. Well, is it legal though? They they gave her the money. I don't know what the law is. Like if there's an error, you you can't. Wait. Like if like if I wire you money, Jay, by accident. Like if let's say I wire you yeah. ten thousand dollars instead of a thousand dollars, I wired you the money, and there's nothing to say that what that I didn't do it legit. Oh, right. Because crypto.com, like the one that that uh that. Uh, Matt Damon's friend for, uh, technically not a bank, right? Right. Yeah. So, so it's, so it's not, not insured. Illegal. Yeah. Now, it's not, just it's to not be clear, like insured, they yeah. have the cash to handle this. This is, I mean, it's a big deal to make a ten million dollar error. Like somebody should get fired, but it's not going to put them out of business. They have hundreds of millions of dollars of cash lying around. Yeah. Okay, but but uh, when you find ten million dollars in your account, like, I mean, and you don't have that much, what should you do? Yeah. Well, I don't know the answer to that, but this segues perfectly into student <laughs> loan forgiveness because suddenly I know what I would do. 43, 
I know you would look, the right thing is to do the right thing. Give it back. Yeah. Yeah. And I respect that. I, to be honest, I've never been in that situation. I'd like to think I would do the right thing, but it's tempting to just suddenly have yeah, 10 million show up in your bank account. And, right. and look, this I is have, a company crypto.com that should be a little bit more careful and should have consequences for making mistakes with other people's money. They do, again, they do have hundreds of millions of cash, although 10 million is a big deal to any company. Like if Amazon accidentally sent you 10 million, even though they're a $3 trillion company, they're going to be obsessed with getting it back. So yeah. yeah, I have similar things to happen to me, but not with money. So I remember when I was in Malaysia, I bought like audio interfaces, like audio devices from a company. And then that like, it's not cheap. It's like a thousand, uh, I think it's $1,500 uh, audio interfaces that sent two to me. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, please send it. Uh, they're like, oh no, uh, they didn't know. They didn't know that they sent it to me. I have to write them back. I'm like, hey, uh, I, I accidentally got this extra unit. Did anything happen or whatever? And then they're like, oh, please send it back to me. My friend is like, I should sell it. But eventually I did send it back to them. I paid and to send it back. Yeah. Again, I'm willing you to think paid. that it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm willing to admit that it's a gray area about sending things back, but it's it yeah. errs on the side of being the right thing to do. So it errs yeah. greatly on that side, I should say. So but he uh, had a page yeah. to send it back. That's so funny. I know. They didn't, they didn't credit me or anything. Well, we should sue them just for that. <laughs> we should have them on the podcast, ask them, is this how they treat all their good customers? It's my money. Uh, so look, <laughs> student loans, in summary, 43 million people roughly are going to be forgiven for up to $20,000 worth of their student loans. And it's going to eliminate about $500 billion in student loan debt. So for the past 17 years, I've been writing how the student loan debt is a massive problem for this coming generation. I mean, I first wrote about it in 2005 for the Financial Times, and it's all come true. But, you know, there's a lot of issues uh, around forgiving student loan debt. The biggest issue is people are talking about, is this fair or unfair? But also, is this societally a moral hazard? Like, is the next generation going to borrow as much as possible now because they're going to assume that later on the government's going to forgive them? Or are people going to stop paying student loans now because they're going to wait for the government to forgive even more? Like, we don't, when you have a, what's called a moral hazard like this, it's, it creates very warped behavior. And that's why we're in this crisis in the first place, because the government basically, no strings attached, lent trillions of dollars for, for, to students. And, uh, you know, and so, so students would take the money, of course, and college presidents would raise tuitions every year faster than inflation, which we've talked about before. And it, it, because the government got involved in education, it created this situation where now nobody can afford college without loans. Right. Uh, like yeah. the average person cannot go to a private college without taking on too much debt. And by the way, you kind of even have to be, you know, wealthy still to, cause who's gonna, you know, you have to be able to pay back this debt. So essentially this is, okay, let's get to the nuts and bolts, the good and the bad and the ugly. <laughs> but first you guys, what do you think? Is it fair or unfair? Okay. So I, I, I like, I have like very, like I have a, Kind of dumb questions. I have seen on the internet, especially on Twitter, like people always yell at Twitter. <laughs> some people say that taxpayers are not paying for the forgiveness. And some people say that 
the taxpaying uh, the taxpayer are paying for the forgiveness. And then if you're one of the influencers say that, hey, if I can pay back my student loan, you can do that too. And then you will get canceled right away. So are we is the taxpayer actually paying for the loan forgiveness? Uh, it's a great question because no money is actually being transferred, right? The money was yes. transferred a long time ago to these kids who went to college. And now mm-hmm. they're just saying, don't give us the money back. So no money is actually being given back. But so you would think, well, there's no, we, since there's no money involved, really, the taxpayer's not paying for it. But that's not quite true. First off, though, it's nuanced. I mean, $500 billion seems like a lot for taxpayers, but it's not that much. The, the U.S. government collects between 3 and $4 trillion a year from taxes. So $500 billion spread out over the length of these loans, which might be 10 or 20 years or more, is not so much. So it's, it's a small thing to the taxpayer. But it's still, yes, Jay, to answer your question, it is paid for by the taxpayer because the U.S. government, where do they get their money? Like the U.S. government pays for lots of things every year. The U.S. government runs a, right. a deficit every year, meaning they spend more than they make. So they 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 either make money from borrow, they either get cash from borrowing the money or from making mm-hmm. revenues. Well, how does the U.S. government make revenues? They make revenues mostly from taxes, but they have little small things where they make right. revenues from, like post office stamps. You're paying the government money and student loans. Those people, those forty three million people, were writing checks every month to the U.S. government. So that was part of the money the U.S. government makes in revenues to pay for things like all the social services you get, all the government services, the all the wars we're in, blah, blah, blah. So if they're not making the revenues from other sources, like being paid back, they have to make more money from taxes or borrow money, which kind of just kicks the can to future taxpayers. Because eventually when they borrow money, they have gotcha. to return the loan. Or... They do what the U.S. normally does, which has got us into trouble now. The U.S. borrows money and then they weaken the dollar. It just gets a little more sophisticated. But so they pay back in weaker dollars than they borrowed from. And that's been their strategy for the past 70 years. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things 
come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Robin, what do you, where do you stand on this? And then I have my opinion. Well, I think it's really interesting, especially because it's happening right before, you know, the midterm elections, right? And they're allowing people to uh, reapply up until October 31st, which is right before the election. Wait, are you saying that this might be politically yeah. motivated <laughs> and that so people are buying votes with this? Okay. God, that is so, I can't yeah. believe you're well, so cynical. how many people this is affecting. So, you know, they're, they're, they're betting on that. But this is what I think is interesting. So since uh, the Biden administration has, you know, since they've been in office, they've actually almost raised the interest rate for these federal loans. They've doubled them, the interest rate almost. Oh, is that, but is that uh, the government or is that related to the, the, the general rate hikes, the interest rate hikes? Well, they determine what they should be. I mean, I think every year they discuss it and then they decide what they're going to do. But I'm looking at right now, the 2020, 2021 was at 2.75%. Then 2122 was 3.73%. Okay. But but there's a reason for that though. And that's it's not really it's not made up by by Congress or the government. It's a function of essentially the student loans take the 10-year treasury bond, which is one of the bonds used the government uses to to borrow money, and and they add a certain number of percentage points to it. Well, who gets that money though? The government. Okay. So, so, but, but it's, it's a fact, it's a function of the federal reserve raising interest rates right now. So I mean, but all of them, I don't think all of them are are set up that way though. No, not all of them. They just, if they're adjustable rate loans, it's just like mortgages. Yeah. So there's, because there's two different kinds. So they have, I was just researching this and I thought it was really interesting how, you know, it's changed a lot. It's actually, it's funny. I Googled this and the article I came to why are student loan interest rates rising is written by this guy, Mark Kantrowitz, who uh-huh. I actually went to grad school in computer science with from 19, he was in my class from 1989 to 1991. And now he became like the world's expert on student loans. 
nothing to do with computer yeah. science, and he wrote this article. So it's a weird coincidence. So he says that essentially it's a function of the Federal Reserve Board. So with some of these loans, not all of them, with some of these loans, if the if the Federal Reserve, if the if the basic interest rates go up, then the rates on the ten-year Treasury go up, and the rates on the student loans are determined by adding some number to the uh, uh, rates on. Uh, but why the do they even bill. have it? Why do why do they even make you know money off of it? Well, the government needs to make money, and it's right, a loan but now. Okay, but it's I think it's an investment for you know their people. So well, okay. That's that's another issue is that, you know, then you're talking about should college be all government paid for by the government? That's an investment in people also. And but you know, that's just not how we do it. We we there's every there's a scam going on. We've talked about this before. That's college presidents and colleges. I mean, like, why does Harvard have a fifty billion dollar endowment? They don't need it. And wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. And fifty billion? Billion. What MIT's got like or Columbia's got like fourteen billion. MIT's mm -hmm. got like forty billion. So, what so they do with it, they just make more money. <laughs> so they, they invest it and they make money and they claim they use it for scholarships, but if they use it for scholarships, why is it going up every year? So it's just, they're not really using it that much, oh. but can uh, they, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. This is the stupidest questions ever. That's okay. Do you think college would be a bank in the future? Like college with so much money, can they be like a bank? In the well, future? they are, colleges are essentially hedge funds that have campuses. <laughs> so that's what they are now. I mean, the, the, whoever, the most important person at every college is the person who invests what's called the endowment, the 50 billion, the 10 billion, 50 billion, whatever it is. So that is right. the most, that is the most highly paid person at every college. And those investors who do that successfully are very successful. Like they, they make a lot of money. They make millions a year and, and people write about them and they write oh books on investing. God. Like they're, they're really well Holy known. Shit. And so, uh, uh, Colleges make a ton of money. The government makes a ton of money. And these kids, remember, student loan debt is the one type of debt you cannot get rid of in, in a bankruptcy. Yes. Like the government will not let you get rid of this debt until now, of <laughs> course, now it's just mass forgiving them. Again, 43 right. million people will have parts of their loans forgiven. So I just want to say, obviously, for them, it's not a question of fair or unfair. It's like what we were talking about earlier. They're taking mm -hmm. the money. Like you shouldn't say, no, no, I'm not taking the 10,000 right. forgiveness. I really want to pay back the government for my overvalued, uh, too expensive education. It's really important yeah. for me to pay back the government. No one's saying that. Everyone is going to take the forgiveness that they can get, whether it's fair or unfair. They don't care. And that's fine. Yeah. If I were them, I 100% would take it. And mm -hmm. congratulations to them. They worked hard. They had the right timing. I mean, I had to pay back all of my student loans paid it all back like in the 90s who's, who's paying for all this that's what i want to know well who pays for anything that the government does it again i mean it's so much it all I mean, comes from you either have to borrow more or tax more there's only two ways and then there's revenues that the government makes from other things but these are the main sources of cash for the government is either so, borrowing cash or yeah. like like who paid for it when we had the stimulus during COVID? we borrowed that money because we didn't, the U.S. government didn't raise taxes, so they borrowed. The more they borrow, the only way to pay that back when you borrow so much is that either you raise taxes or there's inflation, so that the government makes more in taxes without having to raise taxes. So, so because because all products and goods and revenues right. get inflated, and that means a weaker dollar. 
I have a question for you, James. Do you think, right, like with all the student loan forgiveness, let's say, I mean, it, it is happening right now. People are getting it anyway. Yeah, they're so going to get think it. They will, it's happening. Yeah. Do you think they will want to raise the taxes? Yeah, they're going to want to raise taxes. And so, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. already that's already being debated. They want to figure out how to, right. to like, and, and look, here's what they should do, by the way. Uh, college endowments are not taxable. They should, uh, you know, they are a little bit and they've changed the rules slightly over the, over the years. But they should just do a massive tax on the endowments yeah. and have the endowments pay for, exactly. for this forgiveness. But yeah. look, again, it's important to note there's a very big positive here, which is that 43 million people are yes. gonna are gonna be, feel a sigh of relief. A lot of them, you know, right because of COVID, there was um you didn't have to pay your student loans during COVID, and that ends at, at the end of this of of 2022. So these 43 million people are breathing a sigh of relief. Yes, power to them. Congratulations! Have a big party, buy a new car, give to charity, buy another new car, and do whatever you want. But I will say, technically, there. Well, it's both fair and unfair, but I'll I'll get to the fair in a second. And again, this is not political. I guess if you think it's fair, you're, you know, I guess on the side of Democrats. And if you think it's unfair, you're on the side of Republicans. That's how it's gotten polarized. But it's a little bit of both. So it's obviously unfair who, for to people who didn't choose to go to college precisely for the reason that they didn't want to get into massive debt. So now right. other people took the risk and and the risk maybe did or didn't pay off because they didn't make money after college. And now they're getting, that risk is being paid for by the government. So that's unfair to the people who didn't go to college because they were unwilling to get in that kind of debt. That's those people I feel bad for. It's also unfair to people who just finished paying down their student loans. Like you should have mm -hmm. defaulted for a while and then you would have had a no, I don't think you, that you if you defaulted forgiveness. if you defaulted, I don't think you 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 can get it. There are it, rules. It, there's there's exceptions. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of exceptions. You could default and, and get forgiven. It just depends on where you fall, what category oh. you fall in. Um it's not necessarily fair to people who have less than ten thousand dollars in student loan debt because they'll cover up to actually twenty thousand depending if you got Pell yeah. grants or not. It's unfair to people who used cash to pay down their student loans because of the high interest rates, but took out a mortgage instead to pay for mm. their house. They should have paid for their house with the cash and waited to the student loans to get forgiven. So it's really unfair to people oh. who just bought a house in, 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 with debt, but paid their student loans with and cash. Mortgage their house. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, everybody takes out a mortgage and there's certainly no mortgage forgiveness happening. And it's also unfair you know, because of the, in quote unquote, to the taxpayer, because eventually down the road, we will pay a little bit more somehow in either taxes or inflation to pay for us. We have to, that's the, mm -hmm. that's the laws of physics practically. So I think that's a stretch though. People are saying that because like it's a cliche and it's, it's the math a little harder than that, but it's, it's unfair to people who might maybe it's most unfair. I think to people who didn't go to college because they didn't want to get in debt. And now they see all their peers get their debt forgiven and they're like oh man i could have gone to college so wait also i i didn't take out student loans i'm not from i'm not from the state do they, do i have to pay for them yeah if you pay taxes then yeah i pay taxes. again in a very small way you have to right. you're paying and, for it and, and it, it's war. not as big as people yeah you're paying for everything the government spends so if the right. government spends some money they don't have to and and you know again the war is a debate among people but right now I mean, look, you're the most, the biggest thing you paid for recently, the taxpayer paid for, and they they haven't paid for it yet, but they will pay for it, 
you can't just print up four trillion dollars in cash for yeah. stimulus packages. I mean, there's a bill for that, and the bill is coming due right now, which is why the stock market's been falling for the past eight months and why there's inflation. That's the bill. You have to pay, you know, for the government's excesses one way or the other. This is how we're paying it for right now is that our wealth is everybody's wealth in, in the stock market or real estate or crypto is starting to decline because the stock market has gone down so much because of right. fears about inflation. Also, you're, you're spending more and making less because of inflation. So this is how we're paying for government excesses. This is yet another government mm -hmm. excess. So one way or the other, you do pay for it. But, uh, you know, I also think this is fair. And this is where the nuance comes in. No one ever wants to admit, admit there's nuance if you're polarized. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you must be a fascist if you don't think uh, uh, it's fair or not. But I'm going to say it is fair a little bit because these students should never have been given the opportunity to borrow the money in the first place. Like it made college education unfair because government, again, colleges took advantage of the free money. Kids, when they're 18 years old, who, who lends an 18 year old a hundred thousand dollars, which is, you know, I've, I've met people three, $400,000 in student loan debt. You don't even have, you can't even like, you know, borrow money to buy a car until you're in your twenties. Like who, who lends so much money to, to teenagers? The government does because it's, again, it's, they made a law saying you have to pay it back or will haunt you for your life. Yeah. And no one's going to give, no one's going to give me loans to buy my car too. And I'm 30 freaking four. Why didn't you get loan to buy a car? I mean, I get loans, but like a higher loans. Like I went to like six banks, six banks said no, because one, I just moved to, I know American. Oh uh, yeah, so they don't know if you're just gonna like skip the country and move back to yeah, Malaysia. But I, have, should, I have a very good credit. They should call me. You're not. You're not even. A, I. Don't, I took. I'm holding on to your passport until you work <laughs> ten years for me. <laughs> so you're pretty much, you, you can't. Yeah, yeah. You can't leave the country. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but just the reality is, young young people in general yeah. don't understand risk. You you don't grow finish growing that part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex. So you're like mid twenties. It's unfair that they lend these kids money. And as we mentioned earlier, it ruins the whole system. Anyway, if anything, colleges have made this an unfair system. Well, the government started first being unfair. Colleges then were unfair by raising tuitions faster than inflation every mm -hmm. single year since the GI bill was passed in 1946 or seven. And, you know, which pays you know, college for GIs. So college is like, okay, yeah, well, we'll just raise tuitions because the government's sending it direct. Like students never see the money that they're borrowing. It goes directly to the college. So the colleges take no risk and they keep raising money faster than inflation because they have no risk of losing their customer because the government is ultimately their customer. Uh, so, and again, colleges should pay part of this. We talked about their endowments. They have more than half a trillion in endowments. They should pay part of this. Yeah, so, I don't know why not. Why, why haven't they done that? Because it's like the military industrial complex, like this intricate interweaving of like, who, like who was the, who was the president of Harvard? You see the movie, the social network, uh, where about Facebook, well, the Winklevoss twins complained to the president of Harvard. Who was he? It was Larry Summers, Clinton's former secretary of the treasury. So it's, there's this interlinking between government and college where they go back and forth with each other. Wow. Like, oh, when you finish uh, working for government. You get paid a couple million a year being the president of Harvard or wherever you go. So it's just an unfair system. People are like getting mad at the young people who are getting their student loans forgiven. Again, power to those students 
it's unfortunate. There's a lot of people who were basically hurt by this because maybe they didn't go to college or maybe they paid off all their loans or they paid off yeah. their loans and borrowed for a house. All the things I said before, but don't hate the player, hate the game. The game was first created by the government. It was yeah. contributed to by colleges and power. I, I feel bad for the people who are, it's unfair to me. I paid off every dollar of my loans, but power to the people who got forgiven. But there are people that really, and you, you know, need it. Uh, the ones that had the Pell, you know, they they live off of what under twenty thousand a year or something like that. So those people yeah. really do, you know, need it. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I just said how it's unfair. I said how it's fair, mm -hmm. um, or at least don't blame the player. Don't blame the students. But one thing that should be noted, very important, this is coming from the Democrats. And, and look, I'm not, as Robin, you know very well, I don't vote. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I try to be as neutral as possible on this mm -hmm. podcast. But I'm in favor of taxes that are progressive, meaning people who are lower income shouldn't pay a higher percentage of taxes than right. people who are higher income, that's called a regressive tax. It hurts lower income. So like, for example, the lottery is a, a form of regressive tax. Who mm -hmm. plays the lottery? Lower income people play the lottery, not higher mm -hmm. income people. Lowering, mm -hmm. and the lottery is a scam. Like the odds are against you. You're never going to win the lottery. And if you play it for a billion days in a row, you still might not win the lottery. So it hurts lower income people. It's how governments raise money, state governments raise money from lotteries, and it hurts the lower income people in their state. It's a regressive tax. This is also a regressive tax. And I looked this up on it, So it's regressive in the sense that, um, well, wealthier families send their kids to college to begin with than lower income families. And so I looked this up. It's on NCES.ed.gov. It's on the government site. The enrollment rate for college for those from high income families is 83% and from low income families is 67%. So Basically, we just gave we just forgave wealthier people on average more than we forgave lower income people mm -hmm. from lower income families. Mm -hmm. So that's a regressive tax. Like it hurt, it benefited higher income people and did not benefit lower income people. So you would think, and and look, I do think the Democrats are really good at thinking about things in terms of. I mean, they're called progressives. So they're good at thinking about things in terms of progressive versus regressive. For some reason. They decided to make essentially what this is is a tax on the people, and they decided to make it favor wealthier people. Maybe because also those are the people who vote. I don't know. So I'm being uh, cynical too. I don't. Maybe they just didn't think about that at all because that's I haven't seen any articles talking about how this is a regressive tax, mm -hmm. but it is. Then there's a question: 
in terms of policy, will this increase inflation? So during COVID, it was something like $4 trillion the government spent. Now it's a half a billion dollars. So the answer is, and, and what happened because of the $4 trillion? Well, now we have the highest inflation in, I don't know, what is it, like like 40 years. So since since the early 80s, we have the highest inflation. So that's because of all the money printed during COVID. Well, now, essentially, we're kind of printing a half a trillion dollars, not as much. So of course, this is going to potentially increase inflation. If the economy doesn't grow as fast as you increase the money supply, there's inflation because there's going to be more people Here's what's going to happen. Even though no money is actually handed to anybody in this, if you're if you're paying a thousand dollars a month in in paying down your loans, well, suddenly now you have an extra thousand dollars a month. And guess what? Americans have a zero percent savings rate, so everyone is going to spend that money. Mm-hmm. And that when you spend money faster than the economy is growing, inflation is created. So this will probably it won't grow inflation that much because you know, the economy is now open as opposed to COVID and the economy is growing, but it's definitely not a good thing for inflation. It's a, it's, it's more likely to increase inflation than not. Right. So basically, you know, the government's not just going to give, you know, cut a check for $10,000 to somebody. What they're doing is they're saying, okay, you don't have to pay your $75 a month anymore. Right. But here's the thing. Let's say, yes, that's exactly right. But that is the same thing as giving someone money. If someone has, yes. let's say someone has $100,000 cash in the bank and they also have $100,000 in a mortgage debt or student loan debt or whatever, if they're worth zero, $100,000 in assets versus $100,000 in debts, they're worth mm-hmm. zero. But mm-hmm. if you say, oh, your $100,000, don't worry about that, the debt, don't worry about that. Well, now you're worth $100,000. So everybody, all, right. the, 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 all these, the 43 million people as a group are gonna be a half a trillion dollars wealthier. And with the knowledge that there's a 0% savings rate, they're going to spend over time that half a trillion dollars, they're going to spend it. So the problem with that is, of course, potential for inflation, but here's the good. And here's the, my final opinion. I don't care fair or unfair, more money in the, I just care short term, to be honest, about stock market and crypto markets and real estate markets, because when those things go up, people feel good. People feel happier. The U S in general, you know, if you, if you want to start a business or get jobs, more people are starting businesses, more people are being given jobs. Like because of this inflation right now, we're at one of the lowest unemployment rates in history and wage growth. I mean, and, and employment itself, where there's jobs increasing every month because so much money is being spent still from the COVID stimulus money. Now this is more money being spent, which again could increase inflation. But if I'll use a analogy from poker, if you're at a poker table and you're a good poker player, you want the worst poker players to, to get as much free money as possible because eventually you'll get that. And so my assumption is, is that of these 43 million people who are going to spend money, they're eventually going to put it in the stock market and the, the crypto markets and the real estate markets. And so for people who own assets that the 43 million are going to buy, you're going to benefit. And, and so my, you know, if, whether or not you think this is fair or unfair, don't be angry, start a business. Yeah. It's a waste of time to be angry, but you could be starting a business. There's a half trillion dollars more in the company, more than a half trillion, because 
people spend it's the whole money multiplier people spend a dollar whoever they spend it on like the newspaper guy buys a flower with a dollar the flower guy buys a coffee with a dollar so one dollar is really worth a five dollar boost roughly to the economy so this might be a right. two trillion dollar two and a half trillion dollar boost to the overall economy i love it whether it's fair or unfair i don't care i just want to be invested in the things that everybody's buying yeah what's interesting too is that they are only forgiving you know the federal loans not the personal student oh, loans. Is it different? yes yeah most of the loans are are, are federal though yeah so, so i mean the, the government the government basically took over all the loans about 10 years ago so it's very few loans that are not government their and, interest rates a lot better too the private oh, yeah because <laughs> because they're set by a private market so again government and this is all this is the basis of capitalism is that so the basis of the real definition of fascism is a state-run economy when the when the state when the government mm -hmm. controls every business in, 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 in that's that's fascism and an example might be during covid when the government whether it's democrat or republican shut down every business and so we had a republican president a democrat congress i don't know who mm -hmm. to blame but uh that's an example of fascism now i'm not saying the us is fascist that's just an example and a horrific one it was overturned by every court that made a decision on it but it also you know the theory was that it saved lives. We don't know how many lives were saved because furniture stores were closed down. So, uh, you know, some well, how, many, how many lives lose because of, you know, the lockdown. Yeah. I mean, there's that issue as well. There's certainly, we have an, um, kids that didn't go to school. There's rising depression. There's supposedly rising suicide yeah. rates. All the data on that's mm -hmm. unclear. Uh, there's people who needed medical treatment for other things, but didn't get it. So there's that whole argument, but I, that I'm not, I don't know the answers to that. I have no idea. I'm not saying anything specifically. Please don't cancel me. I have no clue of that. It's great like, okay. that businesses were locked down because fascism is okay in some cases. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but that's an example of fascism. But the, the student loan industry was taken over by the government about 10 years ago. And of course, it's not going to be as good as the private trading of student loans because yeah. it's not efficient. Yeah, so the private one, like I could get like a one, one and a half percent interest. Yeah, student loan. Mm -hmm. Privately, well, a variable one. That that's oh, pretty low. I mean, that's lower than you can't get that anymore. Five percent. Yo, no, no, it's this right now. I, well, why I'm, would someone? But this is the way investing works. Like, why would someone lend you money when I can get more than one and a half percent? In well, like maybe because they don't have the bond. credit. Maybe they don't have. You know. I'm no, I'm sure saying I could buy. I could buy. T-bills. I could buy government bonds for more than one and a half percent now. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying that, you know, privately you could borrow money a lot cheaper. I do believe you could buy it a lot cheaper. That makes sense because again, it's more efficient. There's more competition. The government is just using a formula to set the interest rates. So yeah. that's the inefficient, stupid way to do it. That's it like is. that's like the 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 Chinese or Russian five-year plan way of doing things. How can you make a five-year plan for the economy when we don't even know what's happening tomorrow? And setting interest rates without having a real efficient market is is almost like doing the same thing. So again, yeah. my conclusion is it's kind of unfair. It's it, it's it, it is unfair to certain categories of individual. Plus, mildly unfair to the taxpayer. Plus, is a regressive tax. But the positive is is that all these people who borrowed the money, I don't blame them. They deserve their money back. They were scammed 
by the education system and the government, which is which manipulates tuitions, forces you to to not get rid of this debt in a bankruptcy, and does all sorts of other uh, bad things uh, about this debt. So it's it's I do think it's good for these people who got it, but it's also fair to people who take who advantage really need of it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it's good for people who need it. It's quite, it's, it, it might be unfair to people who don't get it, who also need it, but also it's good for people who take advantage of opportunities. So I wish I had started new businesses during COVID because there was so much money sloshing around. So again, don't get angry. Don't argue on Twitter. Start a business. <laughs> yes. I will start it tomorrow. <clears throat> Wait, no, you can't because I'll rip up your passport. Oh, shit. <coughs> okay. <laughs> Continue work for James. <laughs> well, thank you very much, you guys. And thank you. Let's, thank you. Let's talk soon. Yes. Okay. Let's talk soon. <laughs> This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.